This is the Home Pro Success Podcast, bringing you interviews with today's home improvement leaders and trades business game changers. Tune in to get actionable insights to grow your own business. Here's your host, Corey Phillip. Hey, everyone. Today on the Home Pro Success Show, I've got Ellen Rohr. Ellen is one of my most respected and admired business leaders in the trades. She's built a few awesome scalable businesses, and as you'll see, her people and leadership skills are certainly a big factor behind this. Now, if you've operated a trades business with a few employees, you've certainly seen how a great divide can come between the admin staff and the operation staff, the people in the field getting things done. You've certainly had your tech in the field say things like, I can't answer all these calls and text messages from the office. The office never has the damn scope of work right. And on the flip side, the office is saying, why the hell are they always late? What are they doing out there? Why are they behind? We can all agree that our businesses would run much better and everyone from our customers to employees would be much happier if everyone is on the same page. Ellen shares her valuable insight into how to bridge that gap between the office and field staff and much more in this episode. Let's dive into this awesome conversation with Ellen Rohr. Ellen, thanks for joining me on the Home Pro Success Podcast. Hey, hi, Corey. So give us a brief background about yourself. Let's start with where you are now. And then after that, we'll kind of backtrack and figure out what you had to do to get there. And then from there, well, we'll start heading off in a direction uh, and just see where things goes. I know you've got a lot of insight. You have built a handful of trades businesses, very successful ones at that, sizable, scalable ones. You know what's going on. And I've said this probably already to people that have heard of the show, you are one of my most respected and admired people in the trade service businesses because <laughs> take the credit, take the credit. You've certainly earned it. Aww, you deserve it. Nice. You, you've built awesome businesses that are scalable, growing, and I'm sure everyone's going to notice this. You're a female here in the group. We are 95% male, very few females in here. So not only have you built a thriving business, but you've done it uh, while you're kind of at a disadvantage, or maybe you've got an advantage, but you're certainly not—you're uh, certainly not the stereotypical trades business owner. But you've done well and you've rocked it. So tell us where you're at right now, what you got going on, and then, like I said, we'll backtrack a little bit. I am the president and one of the owners of Zoom Dream Franchising, Fast Focused Fix. That's our USP. And what we are as a franchise is an opportunity to make money faster. We've spent a lot of time building systems that solve the problems that create the biggest headaches, how to find great people and develop careers, not just it's a big jobs. headache, big headache. <laughs> if you, unless you take a fresh approach, I'm not a whiner as you will discover. And uh, you know how to get the right calls from the right customers, how to charge premium prices for premium services, the drain and sewer experts and the support and community that you might need to help you take your business to the, to the next level. I love my partners. I love my team. I love young people. I am obsessed with creating opportunities so that we can invite people who are willing and capable to come to work with us and, and find awesome careers. So I'm so happy to see you and I, I love your success. Here you are. How old are you? You're like, would you 28. say 28? 28. My son is 32. I mean, that is, you're unusual in this industry to have built an empire like you have at your age. I'm very impressed with you. So I'm honored here <laughs> coming from you coming from you that means a lot but you know uh, the further I get into the business while I've obviously achieved a moderate level of success the further I get into it it's like 
the more or the less I feel like I know, you know, I thought I knew everything and each day it's like, wow, there's so much more out there, so much that I'm not tapping into, so much that I realize I've been doing horribly wrong, even though it kind of has been working. So it's always a constant learning process. At Zoom Dream though. I feel the same way though. Like I even woke up, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and I, I've learned to go back to sleep. I have some meditative techniques I use because Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night I can be so mean to myself you know, yes. I should have done this. I could have done this. And it's you have ideas racing in your head. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. I don't do any of that at night anymore. It's too scary. So I go back to sleep and then I wake up and go, what? That was, you know, but um, <laughs> I, that imposter syndrome, like of, I, my husband named my lane, you know, I live in the country. He named my mm-hmm. lane, know it all lane. I live on know it all lane after me. And I feel now like you just said, you know, I make so many mistakes and there's so much yet to learn. And this is why I'm such a fan of the collaborative effort. We have mm-hmm. a we have a hashtag at Zoom that we're better together. At this point, I'm not interested in overcoming my weaknesses. I'm going to run with my strengths, and I'm going to find other great people to fill in the gaps. And I think that's the the best way for me to approach business. Because yeah, if I, we were just dependent on little old me, we'd be in a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you more. And well, I couldn't agree with you more. But one thing, you know, I know a lot of people struggle with, I struggle with it too, is kind of releasing the reins and letting other people, you know, kind of take control. So do you have any advice on that note? Because obviously you've built systems up and you've got people in place that, you know, can do this stuff. But it, it is a struggle because as you get into that, as you get into a managerial and leadership role in any business, and I think it's more challenging in trades businesses because your employees are representing you in your customer's home, it's difficult to let go of the reins. And then when you do, you're often discouraged and let down, which leads back to you saying, never mind, you know what, I'm just going to cut you and I'm going to kind of go back and do this stuff myself because nobody can get this stuff done like I can. How do, you, how do you overcome that? What kind of advice, what kind of words of wisdom can you share with everybody out there to get this stuff in place so that you can step back? Because a lot of people struggle with it, even myself included, operating a sizable business. Uh, there's not a day that goes by where I'm not slightly discouraged by somebody's performance, especially when I hand the reins over. <laughs> I think you just put your, your thumb on the number one problem that keeps people from growing their companies. So thank you for bringing that up. I had an advantage. You said, has it been a disadvantage to be a woman? You know, I, I, there have been a lot of times, you know, a lot of times where I should have stood up for myself, should have stood up for other women in my life. Uh, that's for sure. One of the advantages of my lack of experience in this industry, because I'm not a tradesperson at all. I can't hold the channel locks. I can't manage a screwdriver. I can't do any of that. That worked to my advantage because I could never jump in and do it when it came to the technical work. So when I had the opportunity, you know, I I started this industry as the plumber's wife, married Mm -hmm. a plumber, fell in love with him and the trades and just like, wow, I had no idea that what it involved, you know, the, the magic and the mastery that was involved in, in dirty jobs. So I became quite engaged in championing the efforts of the good people who work in this, in this industry. And I had this awesome opportunity to work with Benjamin Franklin, the punctual plumber. Mm -hmm. Well, I get, I get tapped to be the president of this organization. And the goal is to create the country's largest home service plumbing company. And I say, yes. Let me stop you right there and ask, how big of a company was it when they tapped you into being the president? It was zero. Okay. So zero. So this was total, this was ground zero and they want to be they, I don't even know if they exist at this point because it's zero, but they want to be the largest plumbing company in the nation. Yeah. And they're zero. 
existed. In fact, they still do. It was a venture capitalist mm-hmm. and his partners and his investors. And they had had a lot of success in the trades before with companies like Service Experts and Service America. So these guys were legendary and still are in the industry. But I was tapped to start a company that had not, I was the first employee. And that was to yep. be a franchise company to develop a, a, a plumbing a plumbing franchise in the US and then ultimately Canada. And then they sold the whole thing to a, a utility company 10 years later. I mean, the story is pretty amazing. And I was really fortunate to be in the situation, but I didn't know what I was doing. Like one of my tips is to say yes to things that align with what you want, even if you don't know how you're going to do it. And I was completely ill-prepared. The only other company I'd run was with my husband, our four truck plumbing company in, out of our garage. That was my, the length of, of my experience when it came to hands-on in an actual company. But after we sold that company and I started writing for the magazines, I started to connect with people meet people, Mm -hmm. listen, go visit them, talk to them on the phone, go to their shops. And I became quite a student of the industry. And this is how I met these guys. Mm -hmm. But when I started working with them, Corey, I didn't know how to do it. So I hopped in the truck, I'd ride along and I'd ask the techs, I am now the president of this company. How do I do this? What would you do if you were me? What are the rocks in your road? What could I do that would help you and the customer be more successful? And they would tell me and I would do it and it worked. So what happened is I just built some respect with the guys, not from having the skill set, which is another path to gaining street cred, but by honoring and recognizing them and listening to them. Your team will fix everything if you let them in on the game. And for me, I had to let them do it, Corey, because I didn't know how to do it. (laughs) I understand. And I like what you said there, you know, uh, about how you asked them, hey, what would help you? I don't know the exact words. I forget the exact words already, but the exact words or semi-exact words, non-exact words. Well, there we what go. did I got- you hear? What what I was hearing there was, you know, you're asking the techs, the guys in the field, what would help you do better with the customer? So, you know, getting that feedback from them is crucial because you think, you know, you think that you can do what you're going to do and it's all going to poof magically work. But simply asking your techs and I will say, I've never asked my techs that question and we've got a handful of them that are not on the new construction crew. They're out there. They're the face of the company. They're seeing more customers than I am each day. Heck, I mean, I might talk to one or two customers a day on today where I'm, you know, doing other stuff and dealing with employees. I'm not going to talk to any customers. These are the guys that are actually out there talking to the customers. They are the face of your company. And you're saying, hey, simply ask them what's going to help you have a better relationship with the customer. And I think we can all agree that when the customer has a better relationship, with the tech, you're ultimately going to have happier customers and customers will probably last longer and spend more money. Am I hitting the nail on the head so with that? Good. Yeah. And they want, they want to help you fix things. Like there, there becomes this adversarial relationship between your team and, and people in the office. They don't answer their phone. You, you are you are so right on that. The office, you know, is always frustrated with the tax. The tax are always hating on the office. Oh, the office sent me out here. They didn't know what I needed to do. They told me I just needed to do, you know, one screen panel and it was going to take me 30 minutes. And I got out here and the customer says they told the office that we had this and that and that. And now it's four hours behind. And, you know, guess who has to call the next customers? Is it going to be the office? Is it going to be me? Yeah, that's always a challenge. You know, the the tactic I would recommend is to ride along, not just show up on the job, you know, like catching, doing, doing something wrong kind of thing, you know, to, to get in the truck 
the, the windshield time on the way to the truck. And then your team member is going to have pictures of their family or listening to some kind of music. You're going you're gonna to have the opportunity to get to know that person and build some bank, you know, emotional bank, because you're going to need it when you screw up. Like if you can develop a relationship with somebody and you make a mistake, they're going to they're gonna be there for you. And for the most part, we send our team out into the world and it gets lonely and weird. And the relationship is everything. And I fail every day at this. We all do. But anytime I have hopped in the truck, I have thought at the end of that experience, that is the that makes me cry talking about it. It is the best thing you can do. And your office team, like take one of the dispatchers and say, okay, you're going to ride along with Susie or Bill today. They're going to have a great day and they're going to see, oh, I get it when you've got, you know, this trying to carry this in and your phone is blowing up why you can't answer it right away. You get to have an, an experience. And then when you see what they go through, like in drain cleaning, there are people in trenches in the rain, you know, like I'm just like, thank you for your service. When after a day like that, I mean, this, I went into one trench once in my whole life and it was, it was scarier than any mountaintop I've ever been on. <laughs> I've ever gone. It gave me the full blown willies. Those guys deserve to make a lot of money and they need a champion. And so if I can represent their great ideas, they'll fix everything. They'll tell you this doesn't work. You're asking us to do this and this is getting in the way. And if you help them do their job better, now you're now you're going somewhere. Now you're a team marching down the field towards the goal line, right? Absolutely. I like that. Get get the office staff out there in the field. It's something we don't do at my and company. In the field in the office. Have them answer the phone, Mrs. Fernwicky, you know, <laughs> asking, well, how much? How come you don't know how much? You know, blah, blah, blah. It, it, it is it every bit of it has something to overcome. Nobody wants to call you. Absolutely. Nobody ever wants to call you. So we're already setting up the relationship to be adversarial. So you are so on with that. To make it more better. <laughs> more better. <laughs> more better. And, like, and we can we and Mrs. Fernwinky, it stinks to call me. I'm sorry you had to call me today, but you've called the right guy and we're gonna make it better. We'll be there on time. We're gonna get it fixed and it's gonna be all that you called the right guy. Like that's that's what we want to create every step of the way when people call us. Now, at ZoomDrain uh, or any of the companies you managed before, do you have this on a specific schedule? How do you how do you work this out? Because it the, the ride-alongs, the ride-alongs, yeah. Because I can tell you, you know, owning a business, you know, you plan for these things, but sometimes they don't always happen. You're like, oh, we're going to do ride-alongs, you know, this week, or you need to do one ride-along a month. But then somebody calls in sick, the office is busy. You get to the office in the morning, and you know, you've got a ton of leads to handle, and that stuff gets sidelined. How do you prevent that? I'm guessing you've got some kind of system in place for it. This is going to be another tactical thing as a leader and as a, as a business owner. If you want to get more done in the directions of your dreams, it's all about disciplining yourself. I call it working inside your, your hula hoop. I heard this expression from a friend of ours once and I loved it so much. So the only, only place you have any control at all is inside your own hula hoop. You can't get your team to wake up on time to shave their face. What are you going to do? Go to their house every day? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Go, going back to GCA year one and the frustrating nightmare that the company grew into the first two years, we would send people to their houses to knock on doors to make sure yeah. people were going to be to work. 
I'm so glad we're beyond that point, but we we were pretty close to what you were mentioning there. If somebody yeah, would have right? if somebody would have said we need this, we probably would have done it. But I uh, yeah, you, I love that you are vulnerable like that and admit that because we've all done this stuff. But it, later on, as you start to realize, well, that that's out of my control. Yeah, it, it gets a lot saner. But personal disciplines are everything, and I live my life with my calendar. So we put a little business plan together. We are very simple in our approach. A business plan is anything that helps you clarify what it is that you want and move in that direction. And I don't know if I can do this without one of the tools that I use is a vision board. Are you into these? Can you see mine? I see it over there. And yeah, hold on, okay. we're, we're going to pause for it. We're going to, Ellen, can you put that back on the vision board? We're oh, going to sure, pause. Sure. Can you for, see it? Yeah, we're going to pause for a second to make sure that the camera picks it up. So I'm going to stop talking. Here's our moment of silence. Oh, good. We always need those. All right. That's the vision board. We'll link to it in the show notes so you guys can click through and see it. But uh, yeah, it's a simple, simple collage. I think it's a nifty idea. You can tell on my plain walls behind me that I don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) But tell us more about it and how it it works for you. I'm a visual person. That right there is mm-hmm. a map of the United States and that's my empire and on it are our franchisees and the blue ones are my prospective franchisees. So business planning and, and we also then use Trello, an electronic app like Basecamp or Asana. You know, I think we have to move in that direction if we're going to collaborate with other people on business planning, but we put our plan together and the plan is just whatever you want. How big do you want to get? How many trucks do you want to have? How many people? How many, what kind of work do you want to do? How much money do you want to make? What kind of uh, give back programs do you want to be involved in? What kind of reputation do you want to have? You clarify this by either writing it or cutting out pictures. And then you take some action in that direction. So we have lists. You, you know, this is simple stuff. You create lists and then you prioritize. We got this from my mentor and partner, Al Levy. Prioritize and you, you focus on a few projects at a time. And those projects need to go on your calendar or they won't get done. So going back to the ride-along. So if you want to go on ride-alongs, it's not just going to happen. It's going to be Friday at 6 p.m. and you won't know where that week went. Absolutely. Okay. So for me and what I I teach my junior managers and the the leaders I work with at, at companies, the owners and the managers, is that the calendar is going to help you carve out your time. One of my mentors at at Jim Abrams said this at at Benjamin Franklin, plan or be planned for. Your kids will plan for you. Your your employees will plan for you. Your customers, your vendors, everybody will plan your day unless you pause long enough to say, this has to get done today. Now, you can leave some open spaces for the stuff that happens. I call it the cows in the yard. You live live (laughs) in the, the best laid plan and you go outside and there's cows in your yard. That's job one now. You got to get the cows out of your yard or they're going to, you know, wreck your yard. So like stuff happens every day and then you move it. You've got some flexibility. But if that ride along is going to be Thursday morning, then don't plan anything else for Thursday morning. Put it on the calendar, block it off and make sure it happens. Make sure it's a priority. And from what you're saying and from what I understand, there's a ton, a ton of value in it from doing it to get your team aligned, get everyone on the same page so you don't have the uh, the offense and defense clash of, you know, who's, uh, who's more powerful in the company, the admin side or the actual guys out in the field. You don't want right. that. And it, you know, it naturally develops in all of our service businesses. And I pack a tight calendar. Like I told you, okay, we've got this time. I've got to be done mm-hmm. on time. 
I pack a, a tight calendar because I want to get a lot done. And then I will ask, is this moving me in the direction of my goals? Well, yeah. So you called. And one of my goals is to disseminate business information, to share what I've learned. That is important to me. And another is I'm going to represent, I'm one of those Zoom. <laughs> Right. So I get a chance to to disseminate about what I'm doing. And if someone's interested in, in that, then we can mm -hmm. we can spark a conversation. So if it aligns with what I want, it's going to go on the calendar. And if it doesn't, I have a reason to tell the, the person on the other end of the phone. That is not a, a priority for me right now. Thanks for reaching out. You can reach out again in six months and see if things have changed. But I'm not going to spend time on that. That a busy calendar frees up so much mental energy. I totally agree. I totally agree. We're getting a little off topic, oh, but one, no, 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 no fault of yours at all there. But one thing I want to share, you know, that works for me is sometimes I'll be frustrated, you know, by 8 a.m. I've got a handful of problems, a bunch of unhappy customers, and it's like, where do I start? And if you ever have those days, you're, you just kind of end up running around like a chicken with your head cut off. When you feel like you got a bunch of problems, what works for me in this bit is literally just make a list, write out a list of all your problems that you need to tactically solve. And yeah. one thing I will say is that once you put it on a list, it's usually not that much, like five things, five little problems that you can solve in 15 minutes each when they're all just in your head, you end up getting frustrated and overwhelmed and it just kind of exponentially increases and feels like it's more, it feels like you got a thousand things to do. But once you actually start listing these things out and the things you need to solve, get them on paper and you look at them you're like, oh, that's only five things, 15 minutes each. Let's knock these out one by one here. It works. This, and this, is, this goes back to our, our topic of developing team members because mama didn't teach us this stuff or my mom didn't, and I didn't learn it in school, like how to get projects done. And then what we do when we grow a service company is we, we hire guys and going back to your first point, we tell them what to do. Okay. I'm going to tell you what to do all day. Just keep checking your phone and I don't think about anything <laughs> except for the customer. I'm going to tell you what to do. Keep all checking that phone. Those text messages are going to be flying in. Yeah. Yeah. But oh. don't you think I'll think for you and tell you what to do all day. That's the dispatcher's job. Mm -hmm. and, and literally that is what we want the service techs to do. But then we take that service tech and we crown him manager. And now he has no idea what to do with that block of time. And that so often becomes a point in their career where they lose. It's called the Peter principle where you promote someone to their level of incompetence. And so what we do at Zoom and, and Al Levy, my partner there, really embraced this approach with his company, with his clients and with our franchises. We use the term field supervisor and we move people into junior management positions where they have four days worth of goal, four days worth of production, and then one day's worth of time in which to do a ride along, a project, the safety class, the sales class, they the, uh, recruiting, uh, hiring projects. And then we formalize how they learn how to do projects. So a big part of Zoom Train is teaching people how to get stuff done, including everybody who's moving up the ranks. Okay, so let's, let's put this kind of into a realistic scenario. I'm Corey. I'm a service tech. Uh, you want to promote me up to the next level. So far at this point, I've just been a service tech kind of following directions. Walk me through what I'm going to expect next. Well, one thing, another great tactical tool is the organizational chart. So the organizational chart, in fact, I, I'm kind of a nut. You'll know when I go to our headquarters in Philadelphia, the first thing I do is I look at the org chart and I want to make sure that everyone who works here's name is on it. Mm -hmm. So if there's a new kid or someone's left, that should be updated that day. 
right? So the, the org chart is your roster. This is the team. And if you're on it, it's a big deal. So if I start on the, uh, at the company and I'm an apprentice, then you'll see right on the org chart, there are techs and senior techs and field supervisors, and then ultimately a service manager position. So two things that the org chart does right away. One is I know who my boss is, which is helpful. Yes. And the second thing is that how do I move up? So what we've mapped out in behavioral terms, you know, take this class, sign off on these skills, go through this training program, and then you become a tech and there's a pay raise involved in it. And you, you're in the bonus game now. It's all documented. So we, if it, it, uh, another expression I heard once upon a time from Harry Friedman a million years ago is if it isn't written, it's not real. And we've all adopted this. We say it almost every day at our company. A verbal command is a suggestion. If it's in the manual, you can hold them accountable to it. Does that make sense? Yes, you are right on the money with that. And so if you're looking at a field supervisor position, what you know is that you're still going to have to be a producer in terms of installation work, which is what we call our big job, you know, installing the big jobs or service techs, which are, you know, sell and serve all in one shot. You've got this, Mm -hmm. this, it sounds like a similar lineup there. So if you're either a field supervisor and install a field supervisor and service, then once you get to field supervisor, we carve out a team that are your guys and you're going to help people move up the ladder and replace yourself, right? So that we can expand. So when you start growing guys like this, you better grow your company opportunities or they will leave. Why not? Right? So the field supervisor can ultimately move into a new location. So Zoom is all about this hub and spoke growth that in every, in, in every neighborhood we enter, we want to be able to get big. It's really a big city play because we want to be able to grow in a hub and spoke way to continue to make good on our promises to our team members that they're going to have careers. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what I'm hearing there, and I totally agree with this, you need to have a visual org chart. And I'm guessing that you're displaying this somewhere prominently in the office, at least somewhere where everybody can see it on a daily basis. So that people can say, hey, you know, I'm here here's what it's going to take to get me here and here's what I'm going to expect. So am I, am I hitting the nail on the head with that? Totally. And then, you know, instead of someone saying I need a raise, well, this is how you get a raise. raise. This is what you got to do. You earn a raise. You get the raise once you've gone through these steps And, and you know what else it does. And I think we should talk real with people about this. What's the top of the ladder? You know, how much, if you have a, a, say you have a, we call them service coordinators, that's someone who answers the phone and, and books the call. So is that a $350,000 career path? $350,000 a year career path? It is not. So there may be someone who chooses that job while they're in college because it could be flexible, because they're a mom with kids, because they want to move into an apprenticeship, you know, they want to move somewhere else on the org chart. But what I think is fair is to, to let people know what the top of the ladder is. So that you give them a realistic expectation of where yeah. they can go. Right. This is how high we can go unless we grow, unless we create another location. And then maybe you could have a piece of your team's um, performance or the field supervisor. Mm-hmm. The field supervisors can hit their own goal and then they have a level of involvement in their team's production. Absolutely. Right? So that you like, and we're, we're just... We're built, the expression is building the plane as we're flying it, right? In some <laughs> ways, we've got this mapped out. In other ways, I don't know yet what holes we're going to fall into. 
but I do know that if I keep talking to the team, they'll fix them for me. Absolutely. Now, one thing I know a lot of people out there might be listening, they might say, well, right now it's just me and a helper. It doesn't make sense to have this org chart or I can't fill this org chart because I can't get enough people into it, you know, to sell the projects. You know, do I really need the org chart? And I think that, you know, I know what you would say on this here, make the org chart already for the company that you want to have and then focus on filling the roles. Even if it's just your name in nearly all the roles, now you've got the jobs. And when somebody comes in for recruiting purposes or an interview or something, you've got a plan to show them. This will put some type of visual, some type of backing, give it some clout, put the whole position and company into context so that you can hire and get more people on board. Yes. What do you need me for? You're the smartest guy on this call right now. (laughs) And and, and when you're small, like a big company, and you know how this is, like if you're going to, you're going to suppose you wanted to change your software. Mm -hmm. That is no small thing anymore for you. No. How many people you have to train, how, how, you know, that's going to be. I I know because I think about changing that software and it's like, well, maybe we could get a better software, but you know, is it really, you know, for two more features, is it really worth, you know, transitioning this whole team of 60 people Then my head starts spinning? I mean, I know how hard it is just to keep everybody using the same software that we've been using for 60 years. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to throw a boomerang at this whole damn, this whole damn thing. Yeah. But if you're, if you're only two people, then can you see what an advantage that is? You do you have that advantage, yes. You, I mean, they're... working for you. Hey, you're in on the ground floor, man. You mm-hmm. and I can craft this together. We anybody we hire is below you on the org chart. You're already moving <laughs> up, right? So as as you you know, there's some advantages to being smaller. There is no disadvantage to the 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 intention and the clarification of the vision. So that is a leader's job, is where are we going here? What is the point on the horizon? And, and in my life, I think that's been my strength. I'm not great at getting things done. I really am. I'm a good starter. I'm a visionary. I'm idealistic. Uh, but somebody has to be. And that point on the horizon is what obsesses me. All right? And, and leadership is all about, like, how do I help you win as we march together towards that point on the horizon? And it's arbitrary. You're making this up. I want to get to 20 trucks doing aluminum work. I mean, it's <laughs> what you do. It's how you do it. And as Simon Sinek says, it's why you do it. It's who you become on this journey. It's how you help brother or sister out along the way. It isn't drain cleaning so much as how we do drain cleaning and why we do drain cleaning. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's say we've got this org chart here. We've okay. got all the, we got the people that we know the people that we need to get on board. We don't know them yet, uh, okay. but we get, we know which roles we need people to fill. What is your advice or how do you fill that chart? How do you get the right people? How do you know who is the right people? How do you find them? What's working for you? Because you've obviously built two scalable teams, two great teams at this point, And that's a huge struggle. I've been down the road. Everybody that's listened to me before, uh, you know, knows about the days when I've had to kind of basically X the whole staff because I was running a three ring dog and pony show. How do you get the right people on there? Because that's a challenge. A lot of contractors out there, particularly in busy markets, which uh, that's seemingly every you know major metropolitan area in the United States at this point, you put out a job ad and you get crickets back. How do you fill that org chart? <laughs> well, again, I'm going to bring up Al Levy and then my partners, Jim and Jason Crinity in Zoom Drain. Al Levy is the one who 
helped us put manuals together in the first place. So manuals. In fact, I asked you before we started the show, do you have manuals? Do you have this stuff written down? Because otherwise you, you get bigger and it just gets crazier and that's where you've Correct. Been. So you have to start writing down what is good enough for you. Is it ever good enough for you? It, what is good enough for you is in the manual. And that is our standard. So you don't have to be a superstar. You just have to do this. All right. And then superstars are welcome as long as they don't cause us to compromise our integrity. But in fact, I was inviting somebody to our shop yesterday and I said, you're going to be underwhelmed with how fancy this is. This isn't a lot of scripts that require you know, months of practice in front of a mirror. All we're trying to do is set the guy up to win. Like just as simple, Mm -hmm. as few steps as possible to a win in every position on the org chart. And that's what we've got documented in the manuals. Now, as a result, our manuals are quite robust. I think it's like 750 pages of total manuals that we have. It's an enormous amount of checklists. And the checklists then allow you, and this is the key, they allow you to encourage someone with no experience to come to your shop and take a swing at being a service technician, at being a a call taker, a dispatcher. So we aim to put in all of our ads, no experience necessary. Now, when you do that, think of how much bigger that pool gets. Of course. If you're you're putting in an ad that says, must have 10 years experience, have to be a (laughs) go-getter. What does that mean? Must have all their own tools, must have a truck. Yeah. When you say we need a multitasker, that means you have a dog and pony (laughs) circle. Right? Yeah. Must have your own truck, own tools. Who has these things? If somebody has that, why do they need a job? Right. And, or, you know, they're going to have a way of doing things that you may not like. Is that going to be good enough for you? So what we look for is, you know, experience is welcome as long as it doesn't cause us to compromise our integrity. Like there isn't the Jordan rules for the guy who comes and has the plumber's, you know, the dreaman's license. He gets a, fa- it, it, we'll even fast track how much we pay him. We'll pay him more because we are going to honor and recognize achievement. But he has to start at the bottom because he has to learn how we do it here. And then he has to become a trainer of the next guy. Like this whole thing is about the train. People are going to come onto the train and we're going to develop them. We hope they stay. But if they leave, it's okay because there are other people coming. We want them to stay. But our responsibility and our hula hoop is to create such a good gig that they do. That they do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the checklist? That, that okay. really has my interest. At what point am I seeing a checklist? Do I see this checklist when I come in for an interview? Do I even have an interview? Or are you going to send me for a ride along on my first day? When do I see the checklist and what's on this checklist? There are multiple checklists for everything, but this is how you can write your own manuals and it takes a while. But this is, you know, another thing too, five years from now, you'll have your manuals written or you'll buy them by joining a franchise, by joining a group, that's a shortcut. So five years from now, those manuals will be done or not. If you start right now, a year from now, you might have dozens of good checklists and you start with the easy stuff first. But what you do is you would go out with one of your techs, like Mm -hmm. give me a text name. Uh, We got my lead tech right now is Ryan. Ryan. Okay. So you don't even have to do this. Ryan could take someone with him. Who's a junior guy that Ryan could take with him? Uh, Ryan would take Dennis with him. Okay. So Ryan and Dennis go and do a job. And Ryan says, I'm going to do this screen repair. Mm -hmm. And I want you to write down every step and take a video of me doing it. Right from the very beginning. 
that's your first checklist. Right there. Right. And then you organize them and it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Right. But then that becomes the standard. This is good enough. If you do it like in the video. And so for, for, for visual people, the video can support the checklist, the yep. checklist for left brain people. Right. So we, you know, we try and accommodate different learning styles in this, but this is good enough. If you do this, you don't have to do better than this. One of the things that really drives me nuts is when people say, is that your best work ever? Like, could I ever do better? Like, (laughs) then, you know, that got, if I got that, I would just go, you know what? You do it. Absolutely. See where I'm going? See how that collapses? So you need to have a benchmark for the work. Yeah. So then, okay. So then Dennis now, he does it next Mm -hmm. using the checklist and then you can edit the checklist. Okay. So you switch. And even if like, if you're a small company, think, how am I going to get this done? Use a pencil, use a notebook. I keep one of these with me all the time. Okay. Look, you can see how crazy I am. Look at, look at what the page just a like. Just a spiral notebook <laughs> with, I can't see it, but it looks like a lot of chicken scratch. It's, it's kind of small on my screen right now. You write stuff down. And if we're going to do a procedure, we're going to flip to a new page in the notebook and we're going to start writing down the, the steps. And then you could rip this out. It's already got three holes in it and put it in the binder. And now you have your first checklist. That's awesome. So you don't need complex systems. You're just making simple checklists Any here, is, which is essentially your system. Yeah, and of course, organizing it in the flow or w- organizing it within the uh, responsibility org chart. So, you know, there's a checklist at each level. And then if, if there's a, a, a rainy day or, you know, your CSRs, they're busy. Your CSRs, your service coordinators, if they're busy, they're going to answer the phone. But there's time between calls. Load them up. They could transcribe those procedures into. Google Sheets and Docs. That's, that's a good use of time because I know my CSRs, you know, we've, well, we know our busy hours and it's like all the calls come in right then, you know, at the first two hours from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. when we open, there's a lunch uh-huh. or a lull, then we get to lunchtime. So there's, there's a lot of idle time there and that, is, that would be something good for them to do, transcribe and document these processes. And I call this wine, wines into projects. You know, you talked about lists. Make lists and get input from your team for the list. If they're whining about something, first off, I'm going to assume it's a legit wine. You know, I hate our uniforms. Why do you hate the uniforms? They're scratchy. I'm a tall guy and they're too hot. And I'm a short guy and they're too, you know, whatever. Nobody likes. (laughs) Well, that's a legit gripe. Mm -hmm. If you're a big guy and you're bending over and your butt crack's showing, don't you think that's a legit gripe? I do. I do. And so that turn that wine, like that's a good idea. Could we do, could we make a project of a a uniform upgrade? Yeah, that's a great idea. Put it on the master list. I'm going to count on you to champion that idea because it's not on the top projects yet. So it's going to stay on the master projects list until we get something else done. And then something comes off and something goes Mm -hmm. on. You know, this is this, this pattern of making lists and prioritizing lists. And then if it's a top project, it's going to be on somebody's calendar. That's what mama didn't teach me when I was a kid. That's what I never learned in school. No, they will. Quite simply, they don't teach that type of stuff in in school. We can help our, we can help our team members get stuff done. And when you do, you don't have to do anything. (laughs) And that's, that's the win that we all want. That is the win that we all want. We want it to be easy. Uh, at least as easy as it can be in a service business. It's yeah. a challenge getting there, but it's certainly not impossible. I love, love, love our team. 
And when I go into the office, I work in my home office a lot, and then I travel to the other uh, locations, and I'm, you know, recruiting. And and but when I go to the headquarters or one of our franchisees, and I see the good people who are working for us, that's where I feel my greatest flood of insecurity. How am I not doing more for that person? What can I do to? How, how come I don't know them better? What is their family like? What did they want? How can I help them get that? Because if I can do that, there is no stopping us. I totally agree. That's that's powerful. If you can help other people get what they want while they're working for you on their path and you're also working on your path. So I think that leads us into a great segue for our next show because we are getting tight on time oh, here, Ellen. Yeah, the okay, clock has yeah. just ran by. And I know that you and I could probably talk for hours. You know, as I'm going through this, there's so many ideas and so much more that I want to talk to you about. So we'll, well have let, to get let you... Let me give you the quote too. That quote is is just about the Zig Ziglar. And I, we were talking about this before. I'm a Ziglar certified legacy trainer, which is pretty exciting. And uh, Zig Ziglar says, you can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. And that really resonates with me and so many other people. So thanks to Zig and Howard and Jim and Al and Jason and all my franchisees, like you can, you can hear that I am the least, I like to be the the dumbest person in the room. And I am with the people I have uh, associated with you included. I am dazzled (laughs) with your success, with what You've done. I, I, I'm flattered by your success, your energy, your personality, and your ability to manage and lead people because you've you've taken businesses well into a whole nother level. I didn't even wake up till I was 35. Look at you. <laughs> Look at you. Your mother well, would be so proud. Is so proud. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe one day if I could, you know, if I could get to where you are, because you've got awesome skills management and leadership wise that I don't even come close to. So Uh, I aspire to learn more from you. So we'll have to, I will, we're not, we won't, we'll have to, we will, you know, I'm sure have you back on the show here and we'll just keep going into this stuff because you've got awesome information for everyone out there, myself and everybody else that operates trades businesses. You're the real deal, Ellen. Love you. You're a good man. So keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. On that note, uh, why don't you tell our why don't you tell our listeners how they can connect with you and share anything else that you're working on that maybe you want people to know about? Okay, you can visit zoomdrain.com forward slash franchising for information mm-hmm. about me, my partners, our our franchisees, and if you'd like to talk about franchising, we can do that. It's not an arm twist. It's just a chance to get to know each other and see if this would be a good fit. If you're not interested in that, you can also visit my website, ellenroar.com, E-L-L-E-N-R-O-H-R.com. I have great information there, like from $4.95 for a business planning book up to workshops and other things. I work with Howard Partridge. He's a great mentor of mine, and he and I put on some webinars together. So, you know, this podcast is very much aligned with what I want to do because this is a way I can help more people as I focus on the franchise. So thank you too, Corey. So be sure to be on the Facebook group at Home Pro Sales and Marketing, the lounge. Yeah. (laughs) It'll it'll, it'll be up there. We'll put all the links in the show notes in the comments. So on that note, Ellen, thanks for joining me on the show today. Yay. Thank you, Corey. You've reached the end of another episode of the Home Pro Success Podcast. Connect with us and join our collaborative Facebook group at homeprosuccess.com.